record back there. So if you uh, know people that aren't here today and they want to try to stay in step with the series, please go to our website. If you don't know how to do that, find one of the ministers other than Kent. We love you, Kent, but he probably can't help you with that. But uh, the rest of us could get you pointed in the right direction and you could go and we actually have either a PowerPoint or a sermon manuscript that you can download um, as you listen to the message. A lot is happening this month in the life of our church, including next week, our fourth annual Take Me Out to the Ball Game Sunday. What's that mean? That means two things. Number one, it's the opening day of baseball for Clinton Youth Baseball. It's a big day for many of them, so we're encouraging those students, those kids, to, to wear their uh, summer league jerseys. We're encouraging you to join in and wear your favorite baseball or sports team shirt or jersey. Cardinal fan, wear a Cardinal shirt. Cub, Cub fan, wear a Cub shirt. Um, anything is welcome, and it's a lot of fun. That's next week. Take me out to the ball game Sunday, and we will be honoring graduates that day. Two weeks from today is our Class Act Kids presentation, and that's a huge day. I'll just let you know. Come early, more than likely, because we'll have a lot of grandmas and grandpas and aunts and uncles that will be in attendance. Melanie Cheatham does a great job with that. And at 8.15 and at 11, Class Act Kids will be uh, performing their musical. And I don't want to give too much away, but you're going to see Ernie in a role that will be unbelievable. Let me just say that. You will not believe that it really could be true, and uh, we'll see where that goes. Uh, Three weeks from today, May 29, is our annual Remembrance Sunday. And this year, for the first time, we're doing just one service at 9.30 a.m. Now, many of you have lost loved ones in the last year. And you received a letter, or many of your loved ones may receive a letter, inviting them to come to the service that day. There was a mistake in that letter. The letter said that we would have services at 8, 15, and 11, like we do most Sundays. Obviously, that week we're doing just one service at 9.30. So I need you to help us spread the word. One service, 9.30 a.m., May 29, Remembrance Sunday. And I want to just echo what Ernie said earlier. Happy Mother's Day, if I can get my thing to work here. Happy Mother's Day to all the mothers who are with us today. I know I am so thankful for my mother, uh, Dorothy. I'm thankful for my wife, Marla, who is mother to my children and does a wonderful job. And I'm thankful to all the mothers here with us today. Um, What a blessing. Last week, we looked in week one at this concept. God desires a presence with those that he is in relationship with. It's a concept that uh, hopefully you were able to grab a hold of. That From the very beginning of time all the way up to now, God wants to be present. And we looked at it through the Old Testament lens, and then we looked through it uh, as we looked at Jesus. And then we saw what the Holy Spirit can do for you and for me today in our lives. Um, You had this progression from the Old Testament. If you wanted to be present, you had to go to the temple. You had to go actually to the temple to connect with God. You found the presence of the Lord in a building. And then Jesus came and changed everything. The Son of God said, come to me. And then uh, we're really blessed today that that, that we, within us, are the temple. We, We shared with you 1 Corinthians 3 and 1 Corinthians 6, great passages of Scripture, that you are the temple. Your body is the temple and the ramification for that. This week, the big idea, again, if you're tired or you're not going to get a whole lot, grab this concept right here, please. God desires for you to experience new life through the Holy Spirit. That's God's desire for you and for me. And that doesn't matter if you've been in the church your entire life 
or if today's the first day you've been in church for many, many, many years. And my guess is we have people that fit both of those scenarios. Understand, God desires for you to experience new life through the Holy Spirit. Um, Observation, opening observation. A pregnancy changes everything. Agree or disagree? Most people would probably agree with that. Uh, Marla and I were married. I have permission to share what I'm about to share with you this morning. Marla and I were married in uh, late spring, almost summer of 1992. And about a year later, we decided that we wanted to start our family and start having kids. And for about a year to maybe a year and a half, nothing happened. We were trying. It wasn't happening. And we did what many of you have probably done. We went to the doctor and said, hey, we're really passionate about this. We want this to happen. It's not happening. And uh, over the next several months, um, we both did a variety of tests. I did some things that I thought I would never, ever, ever do in a million years. I can remember uh, talking to Dr. Klein, not our Dr. Klein, but Dr. Klein from Springfield, saying, trust me, it's all working fine. And she said, we're doing the test anyway, my friend. And, and, and just the bottom line is that was a very uh, challenging time. Some of you have been there. It was a very anxious time, a lot of time in prayer. And to, to fast forward to the summer of 1995, one of the last things that we were going to do just to make sure that physically everything was okay, Marla was going to have to have a surgery. It was a minor surgery, but she was going to have to have this surgery. And it was scheduled for early June, St. John's Hospital. And they called us and they said, something's come up. We can't do it this Friday. The doctor's going to be gone. Surgeon's going to be out of town. And we couldn't get it rescheduled till July 24, the day after my birthday. And it was okay. You know, we changed some things around and we showed up at the hospital that Monday morning, July 24, 1995, and I had a million things running through my mind. We were getting ready for VBS at church. It really was not a great day to have the surgery in terms of my schedule. I wasn't even having the surgery, but I was thinking about all the different things that I need to do, and we had a CIY trip coming up a little bit later, and I can just remember driving over that morning and just really wishing we didn't have to go through this. Really wishing that my wife, the woman that I love, wasn't going to have to go through the surgery and, you know, go back to teaching a month later. And um, a really cool thing happened that morning. Um, we were getting ready for, uh, for the, the doctor to come in, the anesthesiologist to give the medication, knock her out. My mother-in-law was there. I was there, and um, they came in, and they do the little checklist. Some of you have been there, and we're checking off this, and we're checking off that. And she looks at her chart, and she kind of gives it a double take and um, walks out of the room for a moment, walks back in, and she said, well, we did a pregnancy test, which is very routine for this, and we've got a positive pregnancy test. And, um, and you know, I, I'm listening, and I'm nodding, and I'm realizing right then, right there, a pregnancy changes everything. And I've got to just tell you, for the rest of that day, it didn't matter, VBS, it didn't matter, CIY, it didn't matter anything. I was literally on top of the world. And eight months later, uh, March 16, 1996, my daughter Jordan was born in that same hospital. And as I reflect back and I think about all that took place that July morning, and then the events that unfolded afterwards. I'm just reminded how just 
Those simple words, we have a positive pregnancy test. And it just changed everything. In just the, 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 just the split second, everything changed. And what a blessing it really was. Um, there's a pregnancy that changed everything in an even greater way that's recorded in God's Word. And you probably realize it's the pregnancy of Mary, the mother of Jesus. The, uh, the virgin conception, the virgin birth. And it changed your life and it changed my life. And that's what I want to talk about this morning as we look at this whole concept of God desires for you to experience new life through him. Um, the message this morning is pretty simple. We're going to look at how the Spirit worked in creating life. We're going to look at how the Spirit worked in creating a new kind of life in Jesus Christ. And in part three, what I really hope you'll be paying attention, the Spirit works to create a new life in you. If you're a Christ follower, you do not want to miss point three. So let's dive in together. The Spirit works in creating life. Um, Genesis chapter one, verse two, you might not realize, but the Holy Spirit's mentioned in Genesis chapter one. And here's what it says. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And then the very next verse, we go into the creation narrative. And see this morning that from the very, very beginning of time, the Spirit was working to create life. And again, people get caught up, literal six-day creation. What do I do with this? I want to tell you, God's Word is a beautiful, beautiful narrative that's truth for your life and my life today. And the big idea that I want you to capture here is that from the very beginning, the Spirit was active in creating life. But it wasn't a, a, um, it, it wasn't a utopia forever. Let me say it like that. You've got the six days of creation. You've got Adam and Eve. You've got the events kind of unfolding. But then you get to Genesis chapter 6. Anybody know what's in Genesis chapter 6? Just shout it out. What is it? The flood. It's the Noah account. And it really starts to paint for you the evil that the world had become up to that time. And I don't even have this on the screen. I caught this this morning, actually, as I was reviewing some notes. But listen to this. It says, when, the men, begin to, when men begin to increase in number, this is Genesis 6, 1, daughters were born to them, the sons of God, so that the daughters of men were beautiful, and they married any of them that they chose. Listen to this, verse 3. Then the Lord said, my spirit will not contend with man forever. Houston... We have a problem would be another way that you could phrase that. And what you see unfolding, not just in Genesis 6 and 7 and 8 and 9, but throughout the entire rest of the Old Testament is this civil war in many ways between righteousness and sin, between good and bad, between what is holy and what is evil. And it's not necessarily always pretty. God's people make a lot of mistakes. And that brings us to part two of our message this morning. The Spirit works in creating a new kind of life through Jesus. Now, if you were to read through the prophets of the Old Testament, the four major prophets, the 12 minor prophets, you would see repeated over and over and over and over again 
This longing for, this looking to the Messiah. Anyone that was schooled in Old Testament scriptures, the scrolls of the Old Testament, would know that a Messiah is coming. And there's a a prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7. Here's what it said. The Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will be with child, will give birth to a son, and you will call him Emmanuel. What's wrong with that picture, my science friends? What's wrong with that picture, those of you that maybe are biology majors? The word virgin and with child don't rhyme. They don't connect. They don't go together. But that's the prophecy. That's the prediction. And Isaiah knew exactly what he was talking about. And we fast forward to first century A.D. And we see in Matthew chapter 1, we see the account of this, uh, this very righteous man. He was a Sadiq. means righteous. His name was Joseph. And Joseph is engaged to this beautiful teenage girl by the name of Mary. And she sits him down and she says, Houston, we've got a problem. I haven't been with you, you know that. I haven't been with anyone. And I had this pregnancy test and guess what? I'm pregnant. The scripture in Matthew 1 says that Joseph intended to divorce her quietly. He was going to send her packing quietly because he knew the ramifications of a pregnancy out of wedlock. But then he has this dream and the angel comes to him and here's what the angel says. Don't be afraid to take Mary home to be your wife because what is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Mary has the same kind of dream in Luke chapter 1. For time's sake, we won't read the entire account. It's verses 26 to 38. I would encourage you maybe today to read it. But here's the highlights. Verse 24. Angel says, the Lord is with you. Verse 35, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And then verse 37, we skip over this all the time. I have this on a plaque in my desk. I look at it every day. Nothing is impossible with God. Say that with me. Nothing is impossible with God. And the bottom line is this. A new humanity changes everything. I said earlier, a pregnancy changes everything. I think many of us, how can you disagree with that? But here we see how this new humanity, not male and female creating this Jesus, but Holy Spirit and female creating this Jesus. And this new humanity changes everything. In John chapter 1, verse 1, there's a verse of Scripture I want to read that many of you have memorized. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And what? The Word was God. That's John's account of the birth of Jesus. But he goes on and look at verses 12 and 13. Here's what he says. We rarely read these verses. John says, Yet to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision, nor of a husband's will, but born of God. Jesus changed everything. And you read the Gospel of John read any of the Gospels, and it's incredible the difference Jesus made. I mean, just think early in Jesus' ministry. He's calling people to follow after him, and they're leaving it all for the sake of the call. 
He's healing people. He's, he's feeding 5,000 with five loaves and two fish. He even healed Peter's mother-in-law. Many scholars believe that's ultimately what led Peter to deny Jesus three times, was the healing of that's a joke. You can laugh. Scholars don't really believe that. That's probably not appropriate on Mother's Day anyway, is it? I hope my mother-in-law is not listening. This new humanity changed everything. And so I bring you to what, I, what I'm most excited about this morning. The most exciting point or uh, part of this message is how it impacts you and me today. And here's what it is. The Spirit is working to create a new life in you. Again, we talk Holy Spirit, many of us start to check out. Many of us aren't sure what that means. They're not sure how that impacts me. You say, well, I don't go to this church and we don't do those kind of things. So how's the Holy Spirit impact my life today? And I want you to know the Holy Spirit works to create a new life in you. Let me throw up two scriptures here that that we quote pretty regularly around here. 2 Corinthians 5.17. Many of you have it memorized. If anyone's in Christ, he's a what? Say that with me. A new creation. Say that again. New creation. The old is gone. The new has come. A new creation. And then in 1 Peter chapter 1, we see in his great mercy, he's given us what? New birth. Say that. You're asleep. Say it with me. New birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. A new creation and a new birth. Well, I talked a little bit about John, the Apostle John, and we looked at John 1.1 and we looked at verses 12 and 13. I could have thrown out John 10.10. Jesus said, I've come to bring you life and what? Life to the full, the abundant life. But in the book of 1 John, I believe the Apostle John gives us pictures of what this new life should look like. If the Holy Spirit is alive and working in you, here are some of the snapshots of what this new life should look like. And here's what I want you to do. You've got on your outline like three lines that are blank. And as I read some of these verses of Scripture, if you have kind of an aha moment, you have kind of a light bulb moment, you say, that's a way my life should be new. That's a way my life should be different. I just want you to write them down. Maybe you write down sin no more. Or let go of sin, whatever it may be. Let's look at these together. 1 John 3, 24 says, Those who obey his commands live in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. So that's a sign right there. If the spirit is alive and working in your life. 1 John 3, 9 says, No one who is born of sin will continue to sin because God's seed remains in him. He cannot go on sinning because he's been born of God. 1 John 4, 7. This is the Ernie Harvey verse, isn't it? This is your favorite verse, isn't it? It's in our directory. I looked at it this week. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who has been born of God and knows God. A couple more. 1 John 5, 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God, and everyone who loves the Father loves his child as well. And then I think I have one final verse that I want to share with you. Are you writing anything down? I don't see people writing. Play along with me this morning. Humor me, okay? 1 John 5, 4, For everyone born of God 
overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world. Okay, let me go back here. So let me ask you real quickly this morning. What's this new life look like? And again, I know we haven't sang any songs, and maybe you're just really comfortable where you're at right now, but I want to hear some people shout it out. Shout it loud so our microphone can pick it up on the recording. What are some signs, according to these verses of Scripture, that the Spirit is alive in you? Obedience. Good, good booming voice, by the way, whoever said that. That's going to definitely show up on the, or turn up on the audio. What else? victorious we can what overcome the world right what else committed okay love that's a huge theme in the book of first john hope what about sin did we read anything about sin go on sinning party like it's 1999 what did it say? Sin no more. Let me give you my list. I played this game with myself yesterday, and here's the list I came up with. No longer slaves to sin. Now let's be truthful as friends this morning. Some of us today, if we were being really honest, you're a slave to a sin. There's something that's got control of your life. And you know, when you, when you say sin, a lot of times you think, only the bad stuff, sex, drugs, whatever it may be. Let me, let me just tell you this. There are people that I know that are addicted to gossip, and I believe their spirit is exploding in a negative way on the inside. I know people that are addicted to slander. I know people that are really living a, a, a life of hypocrisy in many ways, and it's killing them on the inside. A desire to love each other. They have a new birth because we believe in the one born of the virgin birth. And they've overcome the world by faith in God. Um, quite a list. Quite a list. So what? Every sermon should give you an answer to the so what question. And so I want to answer for you this morning, so what? Here's the first thing I want to ask you. What is being born in you? When you think of your life, when you think of where you're at, when you think of your behavior, when you think of day in, day out, what is being born in you? Think of your behaviors, your actions, your words, and your thoughts. And let me share with you a great passage of Scripture. 1 Peter 2, beginning with verse 1, says, Therefore, Peter says, Get rid of all malice, all deceit, all hypocrisy, all envy, all slander of every kind. And like newborn babies crave pure, what? Anybody know? Spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. You may be saying, that, that sounds great. That's an awesome scripture. Thanks for the first John preview. Thanks for all that. How do I do it? I'm just going to tell you, be in the word. Be in worship, okay? Be here or somewhere that preaches God's word all the time. Spend time being fed by God's word. Make prayer a priority. 
What is being born in you? Closing question. Reflection for everyone here, wherever you're at. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit to work in your life and to let go of the old and to live a new life in Christ? The virgin conception, the virgin birth, literally changed everything. But it wasn't just a really cool miracle that happened 2,000 years ago and doesn't impact us today. We can experience new life. We are a new creation because Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. Let's pray. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for your holy word. And thank you for the opportunity this morning to reflect on the difference that Jesus makes. And on this day where we honor mothers, where we say thank you to mom for all you do, we just reflect on the difference that that incredible pregnancy made and is still making in our lives today. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for the hope he brings. It's in his name that I pray. Amen. Thanks, Greg. Greg said a phrase earlier on in his sermon, and I hope he caught it. It's, uh, it's all about Jesus. It's all about what he has done um, in your life and how you allow the Spirit to work uh, within your life. And so that's our prayer for you this morning, that, that you will just allow that Spirit to work within you, that the, that the old is gone and the new has come. And my desire for each and every one in this room is that we will just accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and that we will follow Him. If, if you feel like you haven't done that uh, this morning and, and you feel a desire to come forward, uh, we'd like to invite you to Christ. Um, if you feel a desire to talk to someone after church, um, uh, Greg's available, I'm available, Jim, Kent, Adam, whoever you need to talk to, uh, we're available as well. Uh, won't you stand with me this morning and sing, Just As I Am. Just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and that thou bidst me come to Again, won't you show your appreciation for the choir this morning? And
And again, we just want to thank the choir and for all they do. And uh, thank you to Ruth Davidson for all that she does. And we just appreciate that. When I try to keep talking. When, when does choir start again? When does choir start again? First Wednesday after Labor Day. So there are plenty of chairs up there, and they'll add more uh, chairs as well. So first Sunday after Labor Day. Wednesday. I said, sorry. You can start practice on Sundays, too, if you'd like. Um, first Wednesday after Labor Day, uh, Ruth would invite you to join the choir. Uh, just to, What? Did I? What? I said Ruth. Let's pray. All right. Let's pray. Father, we love you so very much, and we thank you for the love that you have for us. And Father, thank you for blessing our lives in so many different ways. And Father, today I, I just pray that something's been stirred within us, that we just might allow your Spirit to move within us, that Father, we just might continue to do your work here on this earth. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the opportunity that we have to praise your name and the opportunity that we just have to worship you. In Jesus' name, amen.